Section six of the Heart of the West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Heart of the West by O. Henry. Section six. Seats of the Haughty golden by day and silver by night a new trail now leads to us across the indian ocean dusky kings and princes have found our bombay of the west and few be their trails that do not lead down to broadway on their journey for to admire and for to see if chance should ever lead you near a hotel that trenchantly shelters some one of these splendid tourist grandees i counsel you to seek luculus bulk among the republican tough hunters that besiege its entrances he will be there you will know him by his red alert wellington nosed face by his manner of nervous caution mingled with determination by his assumed promoters or brokers air of busy impatience and by his bright red necktie gallantly redressing the wrongs of his maltreated blue serge suit like a battle standard still waving above a lost cause i found him profitable and so made you when you do look for him look among the light horse troop of Bedouins that besieged the picket line of the travelling potentate's guards and secretaries among the wild-eyed genie of arabian afternoons that gathered to make astounding and egregious demands upon the prince's coffers i first saw mr polk coming down the steps of the hotel at which sojourned his highness the gag work of paroda most enlightened of the Maratha princess who of late ate bread and salt in our metropolis of the occident lucullus moved rapidly as though propelled by some potent moral force and imminently threatened to become physical behind him closely followed the impetus a hotel detective if ever white alpine had hawk's nose implacable watch chain and loud refinement of manner spoke the truth a brace of uniform porters at his heels preserved the smooth decorum of the hotel repudiating by their air of disengagement any suspicion that they formed a reserve squad of ejectment saved on the sidewalk lucullus polk turned and shook a freckled fist at the caravansary and to my joy he began to breathe deep invective in strange words rides in howadays does he he cried loudly and sneeringly rides on elephants in howdas and calls himself a prince kings ja comes over here and talks horse till you would think he was a president and then goes home and rides in a private dining-room strapped on to an elephant well 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 the ejecting committee quietly retired 
the scorner of princes turned to me and snapped his fingers what do you think of that he shouted derisively the walker of baroda rides in an elephant in a howdah and there is old Birkman Shamsher Young scorching up and down the pig paths of Kathmandu on a motorcycle. Couldn't that Marajahaju and the Shah of Persia, that ought to have been Muley on the spot for at least three, he's got the palanquin habit. And that funny hat prince from Korea, couldn't you think he could afford to amble around on a milk white palfrey once in a dynasty or two? nothing doing his idea of a balacabla charge is to stock his skirts under him and do his mile in six days over the hog wallows of seoul in a bull-cart that's the kind of visiting potentates that come to this country now it's a hard deal friend i murmured a few words of sympathy but it was uncomprehending for i did not know his grievance against the rulers who flash meteor-like now and then upon our shores the last one i sold continued the displeased one was to that three-horse-tailed turkish pasha that came over a year ago five hundred dollars he paid for it easy i says to his executioner or secretary he was a kind of a jew or a chinaman his turkey gibbets is fond of horses then him says the secretary well no he's got a big fat wife in the harem named bad dora that he don't like i believe he intends to saddle her up and ride her up and down the boardwalk in the bulbul gardens a few times every day you haven't got a pair of extra long spurs you could throw in on the deal have you yes sir there's might be few real rough riders among the royal sports these days as soon as lucullus polk got cool enough i picked him up and with no greater effort than you would employ in persuading a drowning man to clutch a straw i inveigled him into accompanying me to a cool corner in a dim cafe and it came to pass that man-servants set before us brewage and lucullus polk spake unto me relating the wherefores of his beleaguering the antechambers of the princess of the earth did you ever hear of the s a and a p railroad in texas well that don't stand for a samaritan actors aid philanthropy i was down that way managing a summer bunch of the gum and syntax chewers that play the idle wild parks in the western hamlets of course we went to pieces when the soubrette ran away with the prominent barber of beeville i don't know what came of the rest of the company i believe there were some salaries due and the last i saw of the troop was when i told them that forty-three cents was all the treasury contained i say i never saw any of them after that but i heard them for about twenty minutes i didn't have time to look back but after dark i came out of the woods and struck the s a and a p agent for means of transportation he at once extended me to the courtesies of the entire railroad kindly warning me however not to get aboard any of the rolling stock about ten the next morning 
I steps off the ties into a village that calls itself Atascosa City. I bought a thirty-cent breakfast and a ten-cent cigar, and stood in the main street jingling the three pennies in my pocket. Dead broke. A man in Texas with only three cents in his pocket is no better off than a man that has no money and owes two cents. One of Locke's favorite tricks is to soak a man for his last dollar so quick that he don't have time to look it. There I was in a swell St. Louis tailor-made blue and green plaid suit and an eighteen-carat sulfate of copper scarf pin with no hope in sight except the two great Texas industries, the cotton fields and grading new railroads. I never picked cotton, and I never cottoned a pick, so the outlook had ultramarine edges. All of a sudden, while I was standing on the edge of the wooden sidewalk, down out of the sky falls two fine gold watches in the middle of the street. One hits a chunk of mud and sticks. The other falls hard and flies open, making a fine drizzle of little springs and screws and wheels. I looks up for a balloon or an airship, but not seeing any, I steps off the sidewalk to investigate. But I hear a couple of yells and see two men running up the street in leather overalls and high-heeled boots and cartwheel hats. One man is six or eight feet high with open plumped joints and a heartbroken cast of countenance. He picks up the watch that has stuck in the mud. The other man, who is little, with pink hair and white eyes, goes for the empty case and says, I win. Then the elevated pessimist goes down under his leather leg holsters and hands a handful of twenty-dollar gold pieces to his albino friend. I don't know how much money it was. It looked as big as an earthquake relief fund to me. I'll have this here case filled up with works, said Shorty, and throw you again for five hundred. I'm your company, says the high man. I'll meet you at the smoke dog saloon in an hour from now. The little man hustles away with a kind of, of swiss movement toward a jewelry store. The heartbroken person stoops over and takes a telescopic view of my haberdashery. Them's a mighty sleek outfit of Abilemu you have got on, Mr. Man, says he. I'll bet a hoss you never acquired the right title and interest in and to them clothes in Atascosa City. Why, no, says I being ready enough to exchange personalities with this monade monument of melancholy. I had this sweet tailor from a special line of cotracks, vestures and pantings in St. Louis. Could you mind putting me sane, says I, on this watch-drawing contest? I've been used to seeing timepieces treated with more politeness and esteem, except for women watches, of course, which by nature they abuse by cracking walnuts, with them and having them taken showing in tin type pictures me and george he explains are up from the ranch having a spell of fun up to last month we owned four sections of water grazing down on san miguel 
but along comes one of these old prospectors and begins to bore he strikes a gusher that flows out twenty thousand or maybe it was twenty million barrels of oil a day and me and george gets one hundred and fifty thousand dollars seventy five thousand dollars apiece for the land so now and then we saddles up and hits the freeze of atascosa city for a few days of excitement and damage here is a little bunch of the dinero that i drawed out of the bank this morning says he and shows a roll of twenties and fifties as big around as a sleeping car pillow the yellow backs glowed like a sunset on the gable end of john d barnes my knees got weak and i sat down on the edge of the board sidewalk you must have knocked around the right smart goes on this oil grease us i shouldn't be surprised if you have so town's more livelier than what atascosa city is sometimes it seems to me that there ought to be some more ways of having a good time than there is here especially when you've got plenty of money and don't mind spending it then this mother carries chick of the desert sits down by me and we hold a conversation fest it seems that he was money poor he lived in ranch camps all his life and he confessed to me that his supreme idea of luxury was to ride into camp tire out from a round up eat a peck of mexican beans hobble his brain with a pint of raw whiskey and go to sleep with his boots for a pillow when this barge load of unexpected money came to him and his pink but perky partner george and they hide themselves to this clump of outhouses called atascosa city you know what happened to them they had the money to buy anything they wanted but they didn't know what to want their ideas of spendthriftiness were limited to three whiskey saddles and gold watches if there was anything else in the world to throw away fortunes on they had never heard about it so when they wanted to have a hot time they ride into town and get a city directory and stand in front of the principal saloon and call up the population alphabetically for free drinks then they would order three or four new california saddles from the storekeeper and play crack loo on the sidewalk with twenty-dollar gold pieces betting who could throw his gold watch the farthest was an inspiration of george but even that was getting to be monotonous was i on to the opportunity listen in thirty minutes i had dashed off a word picture of metropolitan joys that made life in atascosa city look as dull as a trip to coney island with your own wife in ten minutes more we shook hands on an agreement that i was to act as his guide interpreter and friend in and to the aforesaid wassail and amenity and solomon mills which was his name was to pay all expenses for a month at the end of that time if i had made good as director-general of the rowdy life he was to pay me one thousand dollars and then to clinch the bargain we called the roll of atascosa city and put all of its citizens except the ladies and minors under the table except one man named horace westerbelt st clair 
just for that we bought a couple of hatfuls of cheap silver watches and egged him out of town with them we wound up by dragging the harness-maker out of bed and setting him to work on three new saddles and then we went to sleep across the railroad track at the depot just to annoy the s a and a p think of having seventy-five thousand dollars and trying to avoid the disgrace of dying rich in a town like that the next day george who was married or something started back to the ranch me and solly as i now call him prepared to shake off our moth balls and wink our way against the arc lights of the joyous and tuneful east no way stops says i to solly except long enough to get you barbered and haberdashed. this is not texas fit champeter says i where you eat chili con carne con huevos and then holler whoopee across the plaza we're now going against the real high life we're going to mingle with the set that carries spits wears spats and hits the ground in high spots solly put six thousand dollars in century bills in one pocket of his brown dogs and bills of lading for ten thousand dollars on easter banks in another then i resumed diplomatic relations with the s a and a p and we hike on a northwesterly direction on our circuitous route to the spice gardens of the yankee orient we stopped in san antonio long enough for solly to buy some clothes and eight rounds of drinks for the guests and employees of the menger hotel and order four mexican saddles with silver trimmings and white angora suadero to be shipped down to the ranch from there we made a big jump to st louis we got there in time for dinner and i put our thumb prints on the register of the most expensive hotel in the city now says i to solly with a wink at myself here's the first dinner station we'd struck where we can get a real good plate of beans and while he was up in his room trying to draw water out of the gas pipe i got one finger in the buttonhole of the head waiter's tuxedo drew him apart inserted a two-dollar bill and closed him up again francois says i i have a pal here for dinner that's been subsisting for years on cereals and short stogies you see the chef and order a dinner for us such as you serve today francis and the general passenger agent of the iron mountain when they eat here we got more than bernhardt's tent full of money and we want the nose-bags crammed with all the chief debris the cuisine object is not expense now show us at six o'clock me and solly sat down to dinner spread there is nothing been seen like it since the cambuk snack it was all served at once the chef called it dinay a la poke it's a famous thing among the gourmands of the west the dinner comes in three of a kind there was guinea fowls guinea pigs and guinness stout roast veal mock turtle soup and chicken pate shad roe caviar and tapioca canvas back dog canvas back ham 
and cotton-tail rabbit philadelphia capon fried snails and slow gin and so on in trees the idea was that you eat nearly all you can of them and then waiter takes away the discard and gives you peers to fill on i was sure solly would be tickled to death with these hands after the bow-tail flushes he'd been eating on the ranch and i was little anxious that he should for i didn't remember his having honoured my efforts with a smile since we left atascosa city we were in the main dining-room and there was a fine dressed crowd there all talking loud and enjoyable about the two st louis topics the water supply and the color line they mixed the two subjects so fast that strangers often think they are discussing water colors and that has given the old town something of a rep as an art centre and over in the corner was a fine brass band playing and now thinks i solly will become conscious of the spiritual oats of life nourishing and exhilarating his system but nong mong frang he gazed across the table at me there was four square yards of it looking like the path of a cyclone that has wandered through a stockyard a poultry farm a vegetable garden and an irish linen mill solly gets up and comes around to me look says he i'm pretty hungry after our ride i thought you said they had some beans here i'm going out and get something i can eat you can stay and monkey with this artificial layout of grub if you want to wait a minute says i i called the waiter and slapped s mills on the back of the check for thirteen dollars and fifty cents what do you mean says i by serving gentlemen with a lot of truck only suitable for deck hands on a mississippi steamboat we're going out to get something decent to eat i walked up the street with the unhappy plainsman he saw a saddle show open and some of the sadness faded from his eyes we went in and he ordered and paid for two more saddles one with a solid silver horn and nails and ornaments and a six-inch border of rhinestones and imitation rubies around the flaps the other one had to have a gold-mounted horn quadruple-plated stirrups and the leather inlaid with silver bead-work wherever it would stand it eleven hundred dollars the two cost him then he goes out and heads towards the river following his nose in a little side street where there was no street and no sidewalks and no houses he finds what he's looking for we go into a shanty and sit on high stools among stevedores and boatmen and eat beans with thin spoons yes sir beans beans boiled with salt pork i kind of thought we strike some over this way says solly delightful says i that stylish hotel gruff may appeal to some but not for me give me the husky table to go when we had succumbed to the beans i leads him out of the tarpaulin steam under a lamp post and pulls out a daily paper with the amusing column folded out but now what ho for a merry round of pleasure says i here's one of hall kane's shows and a stock-yard company in hamlet 
and skating at the hollow horn ring and sarah bernhardt and the shapely sirens burlesque company i should think now that the shapely but what does this healthy wealthy and wise man do but reach his arms up to the second-story windows and gape noisily reckon i'll be going to bed says he it's about my time st louis is kind of a quiet place ain't it oh yes says i ever since the railroads ran in here the town's been practically ruined and the building and loan associations and the fair have about killed it guess we might as well go to bed wait till you see chicago though shall we get tickets for the big breeze to-morrow might as well says solly i reckon all these towns are about alike well maybe the wise cicerone and personal conductor didn't fall hard in chicago luluville on the lake is supposed to have one or two things in it calculated to keep the rural visitor awake after the curfew rings but not for the grass-fed man of the pampas i tried him with theatres rides in automobiles sails on the lake champagne suppers and all those little inventions that hold the simple life in check but in vain solly grew sadder day by day and i got fearful about my salary i knew i must play my trump card so i mentioned new york to him and informed him that these western towns were no more than gateways to the great walled city of the whirling dervishes after i bought the tickets i missed solly i knew his habits by then so in a couple of hours i found him in a saddle shop they had some new ideas there in the way of trees and gears that had strayed down from the canadian mounted police and solly was so interested that he almost looked reconciled to leave he invested about nine hundred dollars in there at the depot i telegraphed a cigar store man i knew in new york to meet me at the twenty-third street ferry with a list of all the saddle stores in the city i wanted to know where to look for solly when he got lost now i'll tell you what happened in new york i says to myself friend Geherasid, you want to get busy and make baghdad look pretty to the sad sultan of the sour countenance or it'll be the bowstring for yours but i'll never had any doubt i could do it i began with him like you'd fed a starving man i showed him the horse cars on broadway and the staten island ferry boats and then i piled up the sensations on him but always keeping a lot of warmer ones up my sleeve at the end of the third day he looked like a composite picture of five thousand orphans too late to catch a picnic steamboat and i was wilting down a collar every two hours wondering how i could please him and whether i was going to get my due he went to sleep looking at the brooklyn bridge he disregarded the skyscrapers above the third story it took three ushers to wake him up at the liveliest vaudeville in town once i thought i had him i nailed a pair of cuffs on him one morning before he was awake and i dragged him that evening to the palm cage of one of the biggest hotels in the city to see the johnnies and the alleys sit by the hours they were out in numerous quantities with the fat and the land 
showing in their clothes while we were looking them over solly divested himself a fearful rusty kind of laugh like moving a folding bed with one roller broken it was his first in two weeks and it gave me hope right you are says i they're funny lot of postcards aren't they oh i wasn't thinking of them dudes and calls of the hoof says he i was thinking of the time me and george put sheep deep in horsehead johnson's whiskey i wish i was back in atascosa city says he i felt a cold chill run down my back me to play and mate in one move says i to myself i made solely promise to stay in the cafe for half an hour and i hiked out in a cab to lola belle de la tour's flat on forty-third street i knew her well she was a chorus girl in a broadway musical comedy jane says i when i found her i've got a friend from texas here he's all right but well he carries weight i like to give him a little whirl after the show this evening bubbles you know and a boss out to a casino for the white bait and pickled walnuts is it a go can he sing asked lola bell you know says i that i wouldn't take him away from home unless his notes were good he's got pots of money beans pots full of it bring him around after the second act says lola bell and i'll examine his credentials and securities so about ten o'clock that evening i led solely to miss de la tour's dressing-room and her maid let us in in ten minutes it comes lola bell fresh from the state looking stunning in the costume she wears when she steps from the ranks of the lady grenadiers and says to the king welcome to our may-day revels and you can bet it wasn't the way she spoke the lines that got her the part as soon as solly saw her he got up and walked straight out through the stage entrance into the street i followed him lola bell wasn't paying my salary i wonder whether anybody was look says solly outside that was an awful mistake we must have got into the lady's private room i hope i am a gentleman enough to do anything possible in the way of my apologies do you reckon she'd ever forgive us she may forget it says i of course it was a mistake let us go find some beans that's the way it went but pretty soon afterwards solly failed to show up at dinner time for several days i cornered him he confessed that he had found a restaurant on third avenue where they cook beans in texas style i made him take me there the minute i set foot inside the door i threw up my hands there was a young woman at the desk and solly introduced me to her and then we sat down and had beans yes sir sitting at the desk was the kind of a young woman that can catch any man in the world as easy as lifting a finger there is a way of doing it she knew i saw her working it she was healthy looking and plain dressed she had her hair drawn back from her forehead and face no curls or frizzles that's the way she looked now i'll tell you the way they work the game it's simple when she wants a man 
she manages it so that every time he looks at her he finds her looking at him that's all the next evening solly was to go to coney island with me at seven at eight o'clock he hadn't showed up i went out and found a cab i felt sure there was something wrong right to the back home restaurant on third avenue says i and if i don't find what i want there taking these saddle shops i handle him the least boss says the cabby i ate a steak in that restaurant once if you're really hungry i advise you to try the saddle shops first i'm a detective says i and i don't eat hurry up as soon as i got to the restaurant i felt in the lines of my palms that i should be beware of a tall red damn fool man and i was going to lose a sum of money solly wasn't there neither was the smooth-haired lady i waited and in an hour they came in a cab and got out hand in hand i asked solly to step around the corner for a few words he was grinning clear across his face but i had not administered the grin she's the greatest that ever sniffed the breeze says he congrats says i i'd like to have my thousand now if you please well look says he i don't know that i've had such a sky-holding fine time under your tutelage and dispensation but i'll do the best i can for you i'll do the best i can he repeats me and mrs skinner was married an hour ago we're leaving for texas in the morning great says i consider yourself covered with rice and congress gaiters but don't let's tie so many satin bows on our business relation that we lose sight of them how about my honorarium mrs mills says he has taken possession of my money and papers except six bits i told her what i agreed to give you but she says it's an irreligious and illegal contract and she won't pay a cent of it but i ain't going to see you treated unfair says he i've got eighty-seven saddles on the ranch that i bought on this trip and when i get back i'm going to pick out the best six in the lot and send them to you and did he i asked when lucullus ceased talking he did and they are fit for kings to ride on the six he sent me must have cost him three thousand dollars but where is the market for them who would buy one except for one of these rajas and princes of asia and africa i've got them all on the list i know every town royal dove and smoke prince Erino from mindanao to the caspian sea it's a long time between customers i ventured they're coming faster said paul nowadays when one of the murdering mods gets civilized enough to abolish sauté and quit using the whiskers for a napkin he calls himself the roosevelt of the east and comes over to investigate our chautauquas and cocktails i'll place them all yet now look here from an inside pocket he drew a tightly folded newspaper with much worn edges and indicated a paragraph read that said the saddler to royalty the paragraph ran thus his highness Sajid Faisal bin Turki, 
Imam of Muscat is one of the most progressive and enlightened rulers of the old world. His stables contain more than a thousand horses of the purest Persian breeds. It is said that this powerful prince contemplates a visit to the United States at an early date. There, said Mr. Polk triumphantly, my best saddle is as good as sold, the one with turquoise set in the rim of the cantle. Have you three dollars that you could loan me for a short time? It happened that I had, and I did. If this should meet the eye of the Imam of Muscat, may it quicken his whim to visit the land of the free. Otherwise, I fear that I shall be longer than a short time separated from my dollar's tree. End of section 6 Recording by Gabby Cowan